This is an exclusive presentation of WoWo 1190 AM and 1075 FM, Unholstered. Hey, welcome on in here to another edition of Unholstered. I hope you're having a great weekend. My name is Kayla Blakesley. I am just one of your hosts here on Unholstered. I represent the media side, if you will, of this show. If you've never tuned in before, I actually host a news talk radio program right here in Northeast Indiana. And I have the pleasure of hosting this show, Unholstered, on the weekends alongside my co-host, Sophia. Good morning, everyone. My name is Sophia rosales Scatina. I am a captain with the Fort Wayne Police Department, and I don't host any other show other than this one. But you represent one. the police department. Yes, and I represent the police department on this show, so welcome. We are the local media teaming up with the local police department to share and tell and just really talk about all of the stories in and around our community, in and around our region that oftentimes don't get discussed when it comes to our ladies and our gentlemen fighting for us every day in our community, our first responders, our, our firefighters, our police officers, obviously. And Sophia, I would encourage folks who have missed any previous episode uh, to download them now, anywhere you can download a podcast. Um, just we've talked about so many things i don't even just an array of topics from defunding the police which was a great one by the way uh to the fentanyl epidemic uh that's just really spanning across this entire country to mental health to how to become a police officer a lot of topics and today we're actually talking about uh driving while impaired it's such a dangerous thing i have so many thoughts and questions that i'd like to get to but sophia i know you brought in a very special guest for this particular topic of conversation as we are heading into the holidays Right. I thought it was really important that we bring in uh, guests to talk about driving while impaired because it's such a big problem around the holidays. It's a big problem all year round, but especially around the holidays because there's just so much more alcohol flowing, so many parties to go to. And we want you to know and we want you to be safe when you're going home because we know you have loved ones to get home to. We know you have family that, that cares that you make it home. And we want to make sure that you're not sitting in the county jail um, on an OWI charge that's going to cost you a lot of money and a lot of time and maybe a jail sentence. Uh, we want to keep you out of that. So this is preventative measures. So I brought on Lieutenant Tony Mays today to talk to us about um, OWI and uh, everything like that because he is the traffic coordinator <laughs> for the Fort Wayne Police Department. We're, we're trying to figure out what to call him. Okay, what does uh, that mean? What is a traffic coordinator, Tony? Basically, uh, within the department, everything that is uh, traffic-related um, the enforcement aspect of things, the crash investigation aspect, um, our hit and run division, um, I coordinating uh, some of the grant funding um, that okay. the the city gets from the state by way of the feds um, that funds a lot of our overtime enforcement uh, that we use for uh, the upcoming events. Uh, we call them blitzes. Um, some of them that people will be more familiar with would be along the lines of the uh, click it or ticket, mm -hmm. we'll see you before you see us, drive sober, get pulled over, those type of campaigns that, that people see on television. All of that is federal funded, so I oversee the grant money that comes in to Allen County uh, for those programs as well. I have so many different areas that I want to touch on when it comes to this conversation, but I want to start here. And this might be a really dumb question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Impaired driving versus drunk driving, are they the same thing? Because when I also think impaired driving, I think that someone could be under any kind of substance. So is there a difference? There is a difference. Um, your you can be charged with an operating while intoxicated as a as a straight charge. Uh, your intoxication can be by alcohol or drugs, even pres uh, prescription drugs. If you've exceeded the prescribed limit um, and you're driving and that 
um, your your oxycodones, your you know your your prescription meds for pain, for mm -hmm. example, or anything that's going to make you drowsy, can impair your driving. And so, if you are impaired, there uh, there's a state charge for uh, falls under the 930 categories um, that you can be charged with driving while impaired, even though. It's not alcohol, beer, wine, mixed right. drinks like like we typically think. Um, and again, uh, uh, prescription and illicit drugs can also cause the impairment, and you can be charged um, under the, uh, under use of those as well. Now, I know I said it from the beginning that you know driving while impaired is a really dangerous thing, and I, I want to talk about the law and charges and things like that. But Sophia, you're always our stat gal, and I'm kind of putting you on the <laughs> spot with this one. I mean, how many people just I think even far worse consequences, death, obviously, right. of it being so dangerous. Do you happen to know how many people die from impaired driving, whether it be in Indiana or uh, across the country, or do either of you, I guess, know the answer to that question? Well, we know um, throughout the country about 28 people die every day in alcohol-related crashes. Every That's day. a national statistic, yes. Wow. Doing some quick math here. That's a big number. It's huge. Just in, in Fort Wayne last or last year, we ran, we, we do an OWI campaign all year round, yeah. right? So we're constantly pulling people over, writing tickets like that. Last year, we wrote 1,606. Um, 1,612 tickets, wow. uh, which was up from 1,001 tickets in 2019. Now, you would think in 2020 we were all on lockdown. Right. You'd think those numbers would be Go lower. Down. But, you know, I think as Tony and I were talking, you know, people are coping with more alcohol and then running out to do, you know, small little errands because you could go to your car. Your car wasn't closed, yeah. right? Yeah. So you could still drive around and get out. But I think people were doing that more with a little bit of alcohol in well, their system. Well, statistics have shown that, uh, drinking consumption was way up mm -hmm. in 2020. Yeah. So I guess you yeah. could draw some logic from that, that people were just simply drinking more and thus on the roadways more with yeah. that consumption of alcohol. Yeah. We were headed in the right direction in 2019 with the lower number yeah. because then 2018 we had 1,600 again that year. So we went significantly down in 2019, but then shot right back up in 2020. I guess what I just don't understand is the why. I think there's a deniability. I think they think... Until they are faced with the the jail, the incarceration, when we when we've made the traffic stop, they're still somewhat in denial. I'm fine. I'm good. Yeah. I can do whatever test you want me to take, um, kind of thing. And it's up until the point where we get them downtown, we get them in front of the breathalyzer, we tell them what their actual uh, blood alcohol level is, that it doesn't dawn on them that they have. Oh, okay. I have drank too much, you know, or we do what's called standardized field sobriety testing. Those things you've seen, like standing on mm -hmm. one leg, walking a line, you know, things like that, um, where they start to do them and they can't. Yeah. So that ta that normal everyday task of getting in the vehicle, you know, opening the door, getting in the vehicle, put, turning it on, putting it into drive and going, you know, we can pretty much do from muscle memory. It's those other coordination and following simple direction things that we don't do in, in in our everyday life that when they are presented with having to do those it's like oh crap yeah i've yeah i've probably i've had too much and when they when they realize it um then you know but it unfortunately they don't make that realization until until the consequences are, are basically right in their face, you know, um, as they're leaving, as they're leaving wherever they're at, the bar, the party, the restaurant, whatever. It's like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I can handle mine. I know how much I've had to drink. Mm -hmm. I know how much I can drink. 
but you get, they, that sometimes gets lost, and there's a lot of the variables that go into how alcohol affects a person. So, you know what, you know what might be a normal day for you know a normal evening out for them to, you know, have two or three beers. Okay, that might be fine, but somebody bought them an extra drink or two that they hadn't necessarily counted on or, or thought, and then that raises their their level up to where they're legally impaired or legally intoxicated. Um, you know, and now they're faced with those consequences. Yeah, I mean, when you stop people over the course of my career, you know, people joke, people joke, um, you know, when we're out, I just had two. But that is really what people say to us on on a consistent basis. Oh, I just had a couple, just a couple. I'm like, well, what's a couple to you? And how big is the couple? And how big were they? Yeah, that's the other thing is how Um, big were they? Because, you know, I mean, I might have had two beers, but if they're too large, mugs of beer versus a, a, a can. 16 ounce versus a 24 ounce. Yeah, that's a big that's, difference. It's a big difference. Two, two beers, um, yeah. You know, and and not that I was know it, the ounces. <laughs> right, right, no, not that we know. But you know, you're talking about drinks. Is it is it hard liquor? Is it whiskey, bourbon? Is it vodka, or is it a glass of white wine? Is it you know? And and what is your tolerance level? And there's and there's a difference. The yeah. alcohol content between beer, wine, and, right. and hard liquor is is different. So you know, uh, a, a twelve ounce can of beer and a shot of whiskey, you know, can have the same alcohol effect. On an individual and what people don't realize is you know rule of thumb and there's a lot of variables but rule of thumb three beers in an hour can put you over the legal limit is that what it is I've never heard that okay the legal limit is 0.08 it's nationwide now it's 0.08 it's roughly 0.03 per beer is what your blood alcohol level will come to so roughly you know and this is, and like I said there's a lot of variables to do it it's this isn't written black and white but they're you know Oh, three a beer, three beers in an hour, you know, in general terms, you're probably going to be pushing the legal limit. Yeah. Um, and and so, you know, you watch what you drink, you watch what you drink in between your alcoholic beverages. And, you know, are, are you having shots with your beer? Are you having food with, with whatever it is you're drinking? There's a difference between three beers in an hour and, and enjoying a, a glass or two of wine over the course of two hours with a meal. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you will have, that'll affect you in a different way. Let, let's just talk about the law here in Indiana. You said 0.08, that's across the nation. That's the, the legal limit for your blood alcohol mm-hmm. content, right? What exactly does that mean? Can, for example, can you break down like how alcohol does impact your driving ability? Alcohol starts off, um, you can start to see signs of impairment at about a point oh five. So what, maybe a beer and a half? A beer and a half. Okay. Yeah. And 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 like I said, you know, it, it affects different people differently. Um, uh, age, weight, things like that because gender. It, it, gender. Um, no it's kidding. It's, yeah. It, Females feel it more than men. Yeah. yeah. And it's and a lot of it's alcohol is distributed through the body by water. So if you know a heavier person, women tend to have a little more water weight than men. Um, so it's it's transferred through the body by water. So that's where some of those variables come into. Um, and again, food plays a part in it too, as far as once you've had your drink, once it is is in your system and how it metabolizes through, it's going to hit you a lot faster if there's no food to help buffer it out, basically. Um, but at 0.05, you can start to see some levels of impairment. Um, some of it may just be, you know, memory, 
Mm-hmm. Just, you know, where did I put my keys? Yeah. Versus um, as as the, your blood alcohol rises, um, coordination, thought process um, starts to go, your physical ability, um, balance coordination, all of that starts to go. Um, people who uh, will, you know, they're, they're, their judgment, um, what they do and what they say, how they act. Isn't it amazing that goes out the you window know, after it goes out the cocktails? Well, and, right? and you think about it, they, people will joke, he's a mean drunk mm-hmm. or he's a, you know, she's a flirty drunk, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing. I mean, I've had, I've, I've had, it's like, I won't, you know, getting into things, but you know, I had a lady who I, I, char- I rested on a no WI charge. And one of the things was, I don't think that a person, that, that this individual would have acted in this manner yeah. Had she not been drinking her behavior, she was very embarrassed when we got to court and the video was shown how she acted inside the the, the room where the breath test instrument is located. Yeah. And it's like and you could just see the embarrassment. She had no idea she was acting that way. But it's that it's that reason, that thought process, it tends to go out the window the higher your blood alcohol level gets. And they act and do things that they probably would not normally do. I want to talk to you a little bit about these blitzes because I actually brought it up to Sophia last week because especially around the holidays, as you mentioned, Tony, we have a lot of these click it or tickets. Uh, we have these holiday uh, checkpoints uh, a lot of times. Um, forgive me if I'm not using the right <laughs> lingo. Um, but how, how specifically when it comes to the checkpoints, how do those work? Because I know a lot of people drive up to them. They don't know what they need to have. They're all offended, you know, thinking, oh, they're just trying to arrest me for whatever. You know, there's a lot of sometimes I feel like bad connotations that come from them when I think it's an excellent idea to have the checkpoints around the holidays. But how do those work? Well, First off, Allen County doesn't do them. Um, behind the scenes reasons, Allen County doesn't do them. Um, but basically, the checkpoints are as there. There is no targeting. There's no profiling right. allowed. Uh, constitutionally, we can't do that. Um, uh, checkpoint is set up in in a in a high traffic area where there's easy access in and out. Usually, um, we would try to do it if we were to. Would be a, a place, um, say. Uh, the strip mall and Coliseum Boulevard um, between Coldwater and uh, Clinton on the on the mm-hmm. north side yep, there. I'm okay, you go. You go. You easy in. You pull in. You've got it. You've got it coned off. People office, uh, officers would direct cars in, and you would have to have a protocol set up that would basically say every third car, mm. irregardless, every third car gets waved in, and even if that fourth car had a headlight out. And was just, you know, you know, you look at it and go, Someone's a little off mm, there. I want that car, you know, we have to let it go. Constitutionally, okay. we would have to let that fourth vehicle go unless there was something that was um, so they obviously, the bottle out so of the obviously yeah. dangerous yeah. about, you know, if they came screeching up, you know, and, and almost caused a collision. And, you know, I mean, there was something that was like, we have to be able to document why we broke the norm. We took the third car and we took this car behind it because it was too dangerous for us to allow that vehicle to go. But those have to be observations that we can articulate in the report. Though, you know, but we would bring them in. Um, there would, there's a protocol that's established that you know, uh, driver's license registration, um, and and if there's no obvious detection of alcohol. We have to let them go. We can only detain them long enough to do what it is the checkpoint is for. 
we can't get them we can't get them out of the car and do a search of their car because you know they they come through a checkpoint they're there for that limited scope of the checkpoint and then if we have no need for them we we send them on their way if we do then they get pulled off to the side and the investigation continues from there yeah most of our officers are out on patrol and when they run into the the drunk drivers yeah um it's it's you can see them in front of you they're very easy to detect if you're behind them and you know what to look for um even people who don't know what to look for they call it in all the time this person's drunk in front of me you know they're swerving on the they can't maintain their lane you know they're um going in and out of traffic and people do this with texting and driving too even though we're supposed to be hands-free people still do this yeah but at night you know it's it's dark people there's less people on the road it's really more apparent um than it is during the daytime uh but we've had them at 7 30 in the morning oh, yeah. they're oh, you know wow. two four or you know one eight and it very rarely you know people really got upset when they lowered from 0.10 to 0.08 0.08 but i'm here to tell you we rarely get people in at 0.08 if we're bringing you in you're usually past that well that's what's mm-hmm. actually gonna be my next question sophia what point do you make that uh, arrest or bring them in what we do is there's the observations, there's there's kind of like a, a, a checks and balances as we go through it. Um, the officer has to visually observe some type of violation. So something. maybe the not maintaining a lane. Not maintaining a lane. Running a red light. Uh, running a red light, whatever. turning too wide. A lot a lot of those. Um, no headlights uh, are a big No one. headlights at night. <laughs> yeah. That, oh, that type yeah, of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, so we, we, we do those observations of, of the driving behavior. Then we make that decision to pull them over based on what we observed. Then it, it uh, goes on to our observations of the individual behind the wheel once we've made that personal contact with them um, asking for their driver's license and registration and you know see you know they, they, they get their wallet out and driver's license is clearly in front of them and they're handing you a charge card or um, their 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 library card or everything but what's right yeah. there in front of them um, they can't find the registration they don't know what their registration looks like anymore um, they're fumbling with paperwork and you see as they're going through the paperwork in their glove box and, and the registration is right there. You didn't even say, hey, oh, you just, you just passed it. <laughs> you know, but, but it's things it's things like that. And then we make the decision, do we get them out of the vehicle? And once we get them out of the vehicle, now we're watching how it is that they exit from the vehicle. Are, you know, are they having to brace themselves? Are they stumbling? Are they tripping? Are they, you know, when you direct them from where they're at, you know, over behind their vehicle or over onto the sidewalk, you know, someplace safe out of traffic, they don't know where to walk. You know, it's like, well, follow me. Let's, you know, you're having to redirect them a couple of times. Sometimes we're even having to take them by the arm because they're trying to stumble out across into the roadway. And, and into harm's way um we go through the, the standardized testing that we can do as long as it's in a safe way and we can do it as prescribed you know just to like touch that's your nose, the, walk the that line walking the thing. line okay. standing on one leg um there's a, a thing we do with the eyes called horizontal gaze that we're just watching the movement of the eyes huh. you know and, and and all of those will give us um uh, signs of impairment um, and so then we make that decision. We take them down for the certified test. And, and we have two locations in Allen County that we can do that. New Haven's Police Department and the other is our Allen County Jail. And then depending on the results of that certified test, if it's above 0.08, that's, per, that's called per se. Whether you show a lot of impairment, no impairment, 0.08, that's the law. If you hit it, anything 0.08 and over, you're done. It's kind of, you know, people go, well, I I was right at it. It said 0.08 or over. 
your .08. Your .08 it's yeah. like the speed limit. Yeah. Speed limit says 55. You're not supposed to do 56 yeah. kind of thing. So it's like 55, you're good. You know, at .08, you're done. You know, and anything over, and, and you're, and uh, it, it's, a, it's a charge. Now, if we have some serious impairment and somebody's an 07, but they are just, they cannot handle their alcohol. Ask that. <laughs> we can charge that, that, that operating while intoxicated charge at a 0.07 if we can show a level of impairment that warrants the charge. Huh. I had no idea. Yeah, and that could be an accident. That could be, you know, uh, running a red light. Those can be all determining factors. I know that this is probably hard to do, but let's pretend we can wave a magical wand here. <laughs> uh, if there was some magical solution to to ending impaired driving drunk driving i mean how, how in your mind could we put an end to this i think for me it's people take responsibility for what they're doing you know there's no other way around it i mean i we there, there can't be someone that goes around to every bar and like and takes people home people have to be responsible for their own behaviors and what they do and their own choices and start the night out with identifying someone who's going to be the dd for you the designated driver um my daughter's my daughter's driving now she's like mom you need a dd i'm like no i'm good <laughs> you know but but if you have a child that drives have them go pick you up have them drop you off take an uber take a lift um you know, I, I was lucky enough and fortunate enough in college to have a friend who didn't drink at all. So she was always the DD um, for all of us when we went out, and we always made sure we got back safely. But, you know, for people, they just need to take responsibility. And don't just assume because you've just had three or four in the night that you're not impaired. Um, you know, the commercial says buzz driving is drunk driving, and, and it is. And you may not think you show impairment, but you do. And for someone like me, when I go out, I have a set limit of how much I drink, when I drink, how long I'm sitting there, and I don't go over it, period. Yeah. Um, if I do, I yeah. call someone yeah. to come and pick me up. And I've done that before. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not chancing this. <laughs> I was just chatting with my producer for the show that I host uh, here in Fort Wayne, and I was telling him that this was the episode that we were going to be doing on Unholstered this weekend. And I said to him, I said, you know, at least when it comes to going out with friends to the bar, to the restaurant, what have you, and you know you are going to have cocktails, I said, to me, it's like you just got to figure in, okay, I need at least $20, a part of my bar tab, if you will, that's going to go to Uber or lift. I keep saying that because when my husband and I do go out and enjoy some adult beverages, that's what we rely on. We mm -hmm. rely on Uber or Lyft. And I think that's just an easy solution. You just figure that amount yeah. into your to your bar tab, if you will. Yeah. As far as curbing it, I mean, I don't know, you know, from, from I'll, I'll talk about it from the legal standpoint. Yeah. I mean, we've got the moral part of it sure. where be a responsible adult. Um, from the legal, which could be said about a lot of things. A lot of things. <laughs> Everything we talk things. about on this show, yeah. right? Um, we wouldn't exist. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> job security. Yeah. But from from the legal standpoint of things, um, I have I have been in conversations with folks who, um, you know, would would dearly love to curb the amount of alcohol that's available for retail. They, there was there was a big push um, in some gas stations. I remember this. You know, that were just people, there, were, there yeah. was one side of the line that was just completely up in arms about how easy it was. As like, it makes no sense. If you want to stop drinking and driving, why are you, why are you allowing cold beverages at a gas station? Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, or Sunday sales, for example. Um, I mean, if, you know, I'm, it's, I look at it, it's, you know, people who know they can't buy alcohol on Sunday, 
would have gone to go and stock up on, on Saturday. Saturday. Okay. I mean, it's right. It's, you know, I mean, so you've got you've got the retailers association, um, you've got the the alcohol uh, distributors um, uh, association, you've got law enforcement and the criminal justice system in it. Um, I don't know that it's maybe not a bad idea to you know find penalties, make things a little harder on people. Well, that's why I ask. Um, a lot of people say that, that law enforcement, quote, needs to do more. And that's you know, kind of why I'm and, asking And unfortunately, it's not us. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I mean. But you I, get blamed for it. We get, we, yes. we'll get blamed <laughs> yes, for it. Like we'll everything. Like for everything. It. <laughs> but, you know, it goes to the lawmakers, yeah. to be honest with you, that, you know, I, I remember, I mean, it's, you know, I, I grew up in the in the area. I remember when, you know, in high school when guys would run across to Ohio you know, and get the near beer because you could at 18 and, you know, and you couldn't hear. Um, then when they dropped the the alcohol level to 0.08, there was, oh, my God, how is it going to affect everything? You know, it's going to kill the restaurants. It's going to kill the bars. They're not going to be able to drink as much. Folks, that hasn't happened. Right. Um, and so the, you know, to, you know, if you are, if, if you have an offense that's alcohol related, um you know, maybe make it a little stiffer of a penalty. Uh, right now, you're looking at a fine court cost. You're looking at uh, court intervention through um, alcohol treatment programs. You're looking at a suspension of your driving privileges. Um, unfortunately, we can't take your car away. Hmm. I can suspend your—the you know, courts can suspend your license okay. for 90 days, but you still have a vehicle in the family because your husband, your wife, right. your kids need to get to school, need to get to work, whatever. Somebody needs to take you to work. So the car is still there. Administratively, we can take your license away. I can't take your car away, and I can't do anything to make you not not drive. We can put the, um, the, the, the breath test instruments in your vehicle. You know that you got to blow it. It's like people can get around that as yeah, well. Yeah. You know, um, there's yeah. So from a criminal justice side, maybe the fines need to hit a little harder in order what to are the make fines that right point. Now? What's a typical standard? I would fine? say that if you're if you have a drunk driving charge and this is your first offense and you're going to get an attorney, you're probably running anywhere between six to ten thousand dollars. Whoa! Yeah, and to, that's attorney. And, and yeah, and that's and those are that's going to stretch out that the right now with with. With COVID and and all that's affected, uh, the judicial system has also been. I mean, yeah. we're you know we're that's everywhere. You know, you're, yeah. you're every, it's everywhere. But yeah. I mean, so Tony, I think you hit the nail on the head, and I just kind of want to uh, say something that you said because I just think it is really important. Going back to Sophia and I say this almost every week. You know, our police officers get blamed for a lot of things, including this, and which is why I asked that question. You know, it's always like, oh, law enforcement needs to do more. You are there to enforce the law. You don't make the law. You don't set the standard of the law. You enforce the law. And I think you just hit the nail on the head. If anything is going to change, it has to come from our lawmakers. I think lawmakers, that's so important prosecutors, judges, because once we arrest them, they're handing down the sentences. Exactly. They're the ones making the plea bargains, you know. So we get them off the street, but what happens after that is not in our it's control. It's not in your hands. Exactly. Yeah. Lieutenant Tony Mays, uh, just like I said, absolutely fascinating topic of conversation. I appreciate you coming in for this weekend's edition of Unholstered. Don't forget, you can download any previous episodes of Unholstered anywhere you can download a podcast plus you can tune in every Saturday morning right here on WoWo your town your team your topics this is Unholstered podcasts by Federated Media